Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, good morning, Broussard Campus. How are you? Doing well? If you see this, this is from my man, Rain, who gave me this little gift this now, just now. Come on, y'all give it up for Rain. It's my guy. So, we are in a series right now called Prioritize. Everybody say Prioritize. And today what we're going to be talking about is something that's a very big priority for many of you in the room, many of us in the room, myself included. We begin this series talking about how when things in life are out of order, it just brings stress, it brings pressure, it brings tension, right? And we talked about getting our heart right with God, aligning that, and then we've moved on to a few other things like the family, the relationship of the, the husband to the wife, the wife to the husband. But today we're going to take a little bit of a different approach. We're not going to talk about the marriage, but we're still going to talk about the family. Everybody say, the family. Because how many of you know when there's not peace in your relationships with your children or with your parents, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of problems, right? And then, but conversely, when things are good in that relationship, there's a lot of peace. You can have stress at work and come home to a healthy, happy family, and everything seems to be okay. And so I want to, I want, I thought, Rather than me teach on this, I think there's somebody, really a family, a couple, that has a lot more experience, a lot more wisdom, and a lot more to share and add. And so this morning, I'm going to be interviewing Pastor Paul and Lynn Neal on the topic of parenting. Come on, somebody. And I'm excited about that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring them up in just a moment, invite them up in just a moment. But I want to read something to you because... As we've talked about in Ephesians chapter 5, talking about the role of the husband and the wife and the family, and the family really is a representation of the church. Because how many of you know church is not a building? It's not an event on Sunday. Church is a family. And the family is a representation, our, our physical family is a representation of God's family. And so there's so much that God wants to say to us about how the family is supposed to operate. He has something to say. Well, this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Come on, all the parents said amen, amen. to that. So, yeah, somebody said read it again. I will. <laughs> children. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And here's the promise. If you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. Fathers, this was for us. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So we're going to hear some practical ways to flesh this out this morning. So if you will, let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Father, thank you that 
You, you have laid out for us much of the blueprint of family. And God, I pray that today you would use this conversation, this time together as a family to talk about how you want our families to be. And Lord, I pray this in the first service and I pray it again as the pastor of this congregation, as the, the, the pastor to these people, my prayer is that today's time, the words of wisdom, the word of God that comes out today, Lord, would change not only families, but their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids. They would be a blessing that's given to your people and that you would break off old patterns, you would break off old examples that we thought were right that weren't. You would break those things off, break off even curses in this place this morning so that the blessing of God can rest on this family unit that represents your body. And so, Lord, help us today. Give us wisdom. And I pray you bless Pastor Paul and Lynn, God. They did such an amazing job in that first service. Give them grace and strength and wisdom and the word of the Lord for this congregation, this service, these people. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, will you stand to your feet and honor with me Pastor Paul and Miss Lynn Neal as they come forward? Well, we had a lot of fun in the first service. And so I know we're going to have a lot of fun this service. Um, just as a quick introduction, many of you, you've heard Pastor Paul preach here at the Broussard campus, but what some of you don't know is they were ministers in the community of New Iberia for 42 years and pastored the church for 29 years. Is that right? 29 years. And so they have been just pillars in our community for a very long time, spiritual father and mother to many um, and so they've been spiritual parents, but I want them to talk today about their natural family. And um, they have a lot of great things to share. So if y'all will, tell them how many kids you have and their ages. So we have three children. Uh, our oldest daughter is 42. Our second daughter is 39. And our son is 37. Wow. And how long have y'all been married? On October the 3rd, we will have been married 48 wonderful years. Come on. Many of you don't know this, but my pastor, Pastor Jacob, I learned, I've learned so much about what it means to be a husband from watching him and the way he's loved Miss Michelle, his wife. And they've just, I can remember, I've shared this with y'all 16 years ago, 17 years ago, sitting in the pews here unmarried at the time, watching them and how they interacted. But what many of you don't know is Pastor Paul and Ms. Lynn did Pastor Jacob and Ms. Michelle's premarital counseling. They counseled them before they got married. And so I would say y'all did a good job. They did the hard part. They did the hard we, part. We did the easy part. <laughs> well, I want to dive right into it because you guys, uh, as we've mentioned before in the first service, you have kids that are adults, they're grown up, they're, you know, moved on with life, and you were also in a very high-stress job, high-stress position, being pastors in a community for so long. How, I'll start with you, Pastor Paul. How did you, 
how did you manage the tension of being so needed at the church and high-stress job and yet having this amazing family at home? How did you marry the two? I, I, wish, I wish I had done a better job uh, at uh, being more intentional, being uh, with, our, with our children. Uh, I was very busy and uh, very, very focused on the ministry. And the nature of ministry is that if you're not careful and do, do not intentionally carve out family time, it can become all-consuming. Yeah. And I believe that our first ministry is to our family, our natural yeah. family. That is the first and most important. Uh, our, <clears throat> our practice was uh, to, to capture uh, time when we could uh, in the morning, either Either myself or Lynn would drive the kids to school, and that became a very special time of communication, what's going on, a time of prayer, helping them prepare for the day. Also, the end of the day was also a special time, tucking kids in bed yeah. and just asking, how was your day, and, and a time of prayer. Uh, we very intentionally, and this really I have to give the credit to, to Lynn, we set aside Friday nights as special family nights, and uh, it would be movie night for us, and we had a series of DVDs that we went through that were family, uh, a lot of family fun, some adventure and some romance and some comedy, and we'd have, the kids would, you know, have Coke and, and uh, sometimes ice cream, for sure, popcorn, and everybody looked forward to that. Those were special times, and we were intentional about uh, about vacations and again with with Lynn's help she helped me to understand the value of anticipation that instead of just waking up and saying hey tomorrow we're all going to go to the beach or wherever it is we were going to go uh, we would put it on the calendar months ahead of time and they would get to enjoy the thought of going the preparation of going yeah. and, and by the time we finally went they just were over the top excited so we usually had a family vacation at the beach most of the time. And then Lynn's family is all from Minnesota. And so she and the kids, when I could, I would go with them. But for sure, she and the kids would go to Minnesota. And they they had a great time anticipating those things and then actually participating in that. But I would say it was just day by day. Yeah. You know, when when we had the opportunity to pray, when we had the, the opportunity to, to talk with the kids individually or, or together. Redeeming the time, just grabbing the moments. That's good. I, I want to move on to the next question, but, but before we do, what did some of those conversations look like? Like when they're going to bed, what kind of things did you talk about? What kind of questions did you ask? So, uh, again, that might be something that you want to jump in on yeah, as absolutely. well. But you know, how was your day? How are your friends? Uh, what happened in class? Uh, just, you know, the things that, that were uh, going on in their life, uh, uh, the, that became uh, the introduction to the conversation. And then uh, it, it, would, it could take different directions. I remember, I remember there was a period of time when uh, I had some very heart-to-heart uh, -heart uh, conversations with my son, and I assume he was between eight, nine, ten years old, something like that. And he was very, very curious. He wanted to know about heaven. 
He wanted to know about salvation. How do you know you're saved? Wow. Uh, he, he really, really wanted to be sure that, that he was in the right place with God. Wow. And that was not a one-time conversation. That went on for weeks. Wow. And, uh, and I realized that God was doing something deep in his heart. So we would just take time and we would, we would talk and, uh, and pray together. And very rich, very rich mm -hmm. times. Very so rich good. times. The opportunity to pray with my daughters as well. Just super, super rich, fruitful times. That's so good. And I'll say this. I know that as a dad, like I've been excited about this conversation. Um, just because I know how great of parents that y'all are. Um, but I also know that I'm a dad and I'm wanting to hear from you. But there's about 95% of the women, the ladies here, who are like, okay, that's great. Miss Lynn. <laughs> How did you do it? How did you do this? Right? And so, Miss Lynn, for you, you've you had a very busy life because you weren't detached from Pastor Paul. You were very much involved with the church as well. And you had these three little beautiful kids at home that high energy, I'm sure, at times. How did you navigate the pressure between the work that you did, the kids that you had, taking care of your husband as well. That's a lot. So how did you navigate it? I look back and I'm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> One day at a time. Yeah. Um, I did, I was always aware of the fact that I only have these kids for a season. Yeah. And so um, I really drew a line in the sand as to how involved I was going to be. I remember we had one left at home, and Pastor Paul was wanting me to, because uh, I'm by nature bossy, um, he was <laughs> wanting me to go help out at the church, and um, with, especially with the women, and um, I said, I, as soon as Christopher graduates, I'll be there, mm -hmm. and um, <clears throat> so I think that was really important to have boundaries, and yeah. because you only have them a limited time, and I'm telling you, you blink, and it's over. Wow. We have a 40-year-old. 42. 42-year-old. I don't know how that's possible. Wow. Um, because we're only 39, we're so <laughs> it's tough. I don't know. Miracles do happen. That's right. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, we, we involved them a lot in what we were doing, too. Yeah. Um, you know, when I would have projects at the church, they were at my feet when they were little, and um, then when they got to be a little older, they, there was a part for them. And so um, we did it, you know, church was, we did church as a family. Yeah, um, so good. And then, of course, they had their own activities, and like I said, I was determined to give it as much as I could mm -hmm. because I knew that their time was limited with us. There's such a stigma, just y'all are ministers, and, and I want to have that conversation, but it really applies to a lot of different people in this room as well. But there's a stigma to pastors' kids, right, that hate the church. And I think even people that are serving sometimes can feel that tension between, well, I don't want to do too much at church because I don't want my kids to feel like church is more important than them. And I loved hearing you say, no, we, do th we did this as a family. We do it together. So church is not the other kid that we like more than you. Right. 
church is the thing where, how did you do that? They never, um, our, our kids always wanted to come. I, I don't remember ever having a situation where they fought us on that. Wow. I don't know. How did you do that? <laughs> so at the, end, at the end of the first service, a young man told me, he says, I remember going to church when I was little, and if I, was, if I wiggled too much or I was too loud, I don't remember if he said a mother or grandmother would pinch him on the back of his arm. Mm. And then if he would yelp or holler, she'd pinch him again for yelping and hollering. Wow. So, so I remember when our kids were real young, Lynn, we didn't expect them to, to act like adults Good. when they were five. Good. But she would bring quiet toys. Mm -hmm. And they'd lay on the floor between the pews and color or play with some little cars or whatever. Uh, you know, it. we wanted them to grow up, not only them, but all the kids in our church to grow up thinking this is the best place in the world to be. So it's good. just so fun, so exciting. And, and we, we geared, you know, services and projects at times to, to help accomplish that. Yeah. It's really important that they, from a very young age, experience what the presence of God feels like, yeah. even if they're coloring. Even if it doesn't seem like they're not paying any attention, that's really important that they experience worship, even that they hear the word of God. You know, you'd be surprised at how much they are able to grasp. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they would be busy coloring or playing with toys and you get home and they, and they would count off the points to the sermon and then have a question about one of the points. Wow. And you would, you would think how in the, you weren't even listening. Oh, but they were. They were absorbing everything. So good. When they outgrew Children's Church, I would um, do things like, I want you to make a mark every time the pastor says Jesus. Mm. Um, so they could begin to start to engage and listen. Good. Or just, just little creative things like that. So good. I heard Pastor Don Norman, which I know y'all know, many of you know, he, he pastors our new Iberia campus. He said something a few years ago, and it was just a language thing that I thought was amazing. He said, I never tell my kids we have to go to church. He said, I always say we get to go to church. And he's someone who's at church all the time. And I think that language just, it puts the priority that this is a gift from God that we get to be a part of, not an obligation that we have to do. Um, so going back to you guys parenting and kids and that, that time with them, um, how important was praying together with your kids? Like uh, how, what did that look like for you and, and how did you prioritize that with them? I, w I, I wish I could say um, we all knelt down by our bed every evening. <laughs> or whatever, whatever you think happened. Um, but I would say that um, our theme, if we had a theme about prayer in our home, it was um, from Philippians. Don't be anxious for anything, but pray about everything. Good. We both have a very rich spiritual heritage, grandparents, great-grandparents. Great I grew up hearing stories about um, how my grandmother prayed that all of her sons would come home uh, alive from World War II, and, and God did that. Um, even farther back than that, um, I have 
copy, uh, copies of a letter from a great aunt, her great great aunt, and um, she miraculously um, was rescued from her home in Germany because the Russians were invading their town and the Lord got them to England safely. So this was, I grew up knowing that I had a God in heaven who was alive and well and cared about every aspect of my life. And that is what we wanted to pass down to our kids. Because the truth is, this is the most valuable thing you can pass down to your kids. One day you won't be here. But to impress that on them, that he cares about everything, and he loves you, and all you have to do is ask, is just invaluable. And so, if, if, you know, we prayed with them before school. We prayed with them, you know, in the evenings. Um, we, we did our best to do family devotions, but that was hilarious. Um, <laughs> they're rolling on the floor. They're, you know, not, it was, I was happy when it was over. Okay, so. <laughs> but we did pray about a lot and see God move and, and, answer a lot of prayer it it was kind of in instant in season and out it wasn't so much a set time as much as it was just kind of all the time yeah you know when when there was a need we'd say well you know let's pray about that yeah and and we would go to the lord in prayer y'all said something in the first service that i want to come back i want to bring back um, to the conversation now and it's you said your kids still call you and you still pray with them, and they're adults. They've moved on, and you say you're the first person that they call to pray about. And I know I have young kids and a soon-to-be teenager. Next month, I'll have a teenager. But I also know there's many people here with older kids that have moved on. What was that transition like, and how did you keep their hearts open to be able to call you back and ask you for prayer? And, like, how did that work? He's letting me talk a lot here. (laughs) That was not easy. Um, You know, it's, I enjoyed having little children, but um, if you do the work when they're little, it is a natural thing to happen. Um, Because our, because we prayed with our kids a good bit growing up, when they left home, we were the first one they called if there was some kind of thing that they needed prayer for, which they still, they do that to this day. Mm. Um, we get calls on the way, you know, just a month ago, our little granddaughter uh, ran, fell, punctured her head, lots of blood, rushed her to the hospital. We're the first telephone call. Um, and so that is really special. Um, We have a relationship with our adult kids, and I feel like a big part of that is because we respected them as humans. They're your kids, yes, but they are human beings themselves. So good. I saw the title to a book one time, and it said, Raise the kids you have, not the ones you want. Good. So good. Uh, you know, 
there might be a mom out there that dreamed about having a daughter that wanted to do ballet. Well, and she turn, it turns up she wants to do hockey. Or, you know, sometimes they have personalities that, were just, that are just difficult to deal with. And, um, but I think it's so important to respect the unique wonder gift that they are. The Bible says they are gifts from the Lord, and they really are. Uh, and the Lord has given us our children for a reason. Sometimes they're like sandpaper on us, and that's not a bad thing either. But I think um, treating them with respect, um, you know, which means really listening to them, what they have to say, um, not hearing what you want to hear, but really listening to what they're saying. Um, don't do anything to them that you wouldn't want done to you. Good. There are some things that should never be said. Like, I wish you were like so-and-so. Mm. Or, I w I'm sorry you were born. Mm. Um, some of those things should never be said. Though mm. They will carry those with them into adulthood. That's good. Um, and so, I really feel like that has kept the door open and why we have a relationship with them to this day. Yeah. Not, not only our children, but uh, last week, our oldest grandson, who's 19, in his second year at LSU, called uh, in the evening and spent over an hour on the phone talking with me. He said, Poppy, I, uh, I was in class today, and there's a kid. He claims to be a Christian, uh, but he just has a potty mouth. And he said, I, I know it's wrong, and I wanted to talk to him about it, but it, I think the conversation was premature. I didn't have, I didn't have the right scripture to be able to share with him. And I know that the Bible talks about it. I just couldn't put my finger on those scriptures. So we, we just went through the word. We just started talking, you know, through Ephesians, through James chapter three, just all about, you know, and one of the things that this, this young man said to my grandson was, you know, well, I don't feel that this is wrong. And I said, you know, that right there, we don't live our lives by our feelings. We live our lives based on the word of God. That's, okay. our, that's our foundation. That's right. So we are not the ones who decide what's right or wrong, what's appropriate or inappropriate. We go back to God's word. But what a blessing to have my, my grandson, who's four inches taller than me, you know, call me up and say, Poppy, I, I need some help finding some scripture. I need to know what God's word says about this. And, and that is not the only, there have been other times when we've talked about other spiritual matters and he would call and want to talk. I think one of the things that you had mentioned was how upset you are when you see children disrespected, particularly if they're disciplined in the middle of a storm. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you that can, that can just about, um, if, if Lynn has witnessed something like that, I can tell when I, when I get home, if I wasn't there. Uh, it is so upsetting. And I would just say this, that even though we respect our children, there still is a place for discipline. Yeah. But discipline, I believe, should always be done in private. Good. I, I believe Good. that is one way that you respect your children. Yeah. And some people, some people say, well, no, no, it needs to happen right at the moment, right at that time. Doesn't matter who's around or whatever. I disagree. I think it is a sign of respect. I'm thankful that God does not discipline me at the moment 
always. He waits until he has me alone. Good. And he never dis disciplines me out of his anger or because he lost his temper. Good. And I would say this, that if you are angry, that is not the time to discipline. Good. If you've lost so your good. temper, say, time out. We're going we're gonna to come back to this. I, I have not forgotten about this. We're going to come back to this. Take a few minutes. Take an hour. Take three if you need it. If you need to wait till the next day, wait until the next day. But do not do it out of anger. And I believe with all of my heart that God has created kids with one particular part of their anatomy that is appropriate for spankings. It's not the back of their leg. It's not their back. It's not their head. It's not their face. Yep. It's not their chest, Say their it. arms. It is their behind. And that is the one place that is appropriate for spanking. And God has created a magical thread that runs from a kid's behind to their attitude. And if you spank them firmly enough and long enough, their attitude will change. And then you can stop. I've had some parents say, well, I don't spank my kids because all it does is make them angry. What? No, no, no. That's, you, you just, you weren't firm enough or you didn't go long enough. But that's the goal. The goal of that discipline is the restoration of the relationship. That's right. Good. And so I remember, you know, I was very fortunate. My dad believed in spanking. And, um, and I remember it was always in private. If I had broken a rule, we'd go back to the bedroom, close the door. And uh, he would ask me, you know, he would, he would say, did you know um, that I, I told you not to do this? And yes, sir. Tell me what I said. I tell him what he said. Why did you do it? I don't know. You know, I just I wanted to. Uh, you know, there was never really a good reason. And then he would spank me. And when he was finished spanking me, he'd say, "Now I want you to give me a hug and tell me you love me." Now, when I was little, five, six, seven years old, I'd start crying when he'd spank because he's a great big man and he was strong and it hurt. When I got a little older, I determined I am not going to cry. And I'd grit my teeth, and I wouldn't cry out of my mouth, but my eyes would sweat. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but I tell you, when my dad would say, now you come here and give me a hug and tell me you love, love me, that's when my heart would break. And he would hug me back, and he'd say, I love you. I love you so much. I love you so much. And, uh, and so, you know, there, there is this respect, but it goes hand in hand yes. with, with correction. That's so good. That's so healthy. And, and I think that's, that's the balance that Paul makes. You know, we talk about one of our favorite scriptures, you know, children honor your father and mother. But that last verse, I'm going to read it to you again. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And I think what y'all just said is the perfect balance of that. It's the perfect balance of that. Um, I want to go back to something else that we talked about in the, in the first service. Ms. Lynn, you were talking about your relationship with your kids now and how y'all interact. And you said something along the lines of, you know, there's times when I, I want to say something to them or I see them not making the right decision. As a parent of an adult, how do you navigate having those kinds of conversations when you want to go, hey, let me spank your butt, but that doesn't work at 39. You know, that's not appropriate in the store or in private. So how do you navigate that now? My rule of thumb is typically if they don't ask, I don't give advice. 
Yeah, pr- of course, we're, we're praying. For, I probably pray for my adult kids more than I did when they were good. in our home. That's good. Because I feel very out of control um, because they're making their own decisions. And so it, um, so I pray for them a lot. Um, but I typically do not give advice unless they ask me. Um, at the very most, I will say, um, here's a suggestion, up to you what you do. So that's my way of Good. treating them like, I realize you're an adult, um, but I've lived a little longer than you, and so this would be my suggestion. And then I never ask if you did what I suggested. I don't good. ask. That's so good. Yeah. Pastor Paul, as a dad, how would you, like, how do you handle that? Well, I, th- I think, you know, obviously prayer is, is your first go-to because God knows how to speak to their hearts when we don't have the opportunity to. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, with asking them, saying, hey, if, if I see a red flag, if if your mom or I see a red flag, uh, is it okay if we, if we mention it, if we bring it up? And, um, and so, you know, that, uh, that kind of opens a door. And, uh, but, but I would say, I would say uh, you, cannot, you cannot downplay the power of the Holy Spirit at work in all these dynamics and what God can do when you are interceding and when you are praying and yeah, that's so good. So, uh, I mean, that's so much that wisdom being shared right now. If y'all had something to say that maybe we haven't talked about in the first service, and you're, you're talk, speaking to everyone here, what would you say if you don't do anything else, do this? I would say live an authentic Christian life. This is the very best thing you can do for your child is model for them what that looks like. 24-7. And we're human and we're not going to always do that well, but... um, I wanted, we wanted them to know what that looks like um, and how to live day by day and walk it out. And like I said before, we're not always going to be here. And that is the, the, the word says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yes. And if we can show them how to walk in the fear of the Lord, there's nothing much better, there's nothing better you can do for your child. That's so good. Pastor Paul. So I I saw a little uh, news clip recently. Someone was interviewing a pastor in Canada. And if you are aware of what's been going on in Canada, some pastors have been arrested for preaching the gospel. And it's just uh, a real breakdown of, of morality in our society and in Canada society. They were asking this pastor, if you had five minutes uninterrupted and you could say anything you wanted to say to the prime minister, uh, Mr. Trudeau, what would you say? And he paused for a minute and then he, he just immediately went into, he said, well, he said the most important thing is to share the gospel. Yes. To share the gospel because one day that man 
uh, will stand before God. And it's so important that he, that he finds Jesus as his Savior. That is the most important thing. And when you think of all the social ills that are taking place in that country as well as ours, that is the most important thing. When people have a right relationship with Jesus, it affects everything in their life. When I counsel people about, uh, in, in, about marriage issues, I tell them right, right away, one of the first things I ask them is, tell me about your devotional life. Are you in God's word every day? Are you praying every day? Tell me, what does that look like? And, and I will tell them, your personal relationship with Jesus uh, has a direct bearing to the health and the well-being of your marriage. And I would say the same thing as a parent, that you're exactly what Lynn was saying, that your, uh, your relationship with the Lord uh, has a direct bearing in your uh, in your parenting. There will be times when we need wisdom. There's a source, and it's God, and we need to be in touch with him so we get wisdom when we need it. Uh, you're going to run out of patience. You're going to run out of cope. You're going to, there will be times when you just, you don't know, and God is the one who will direct you and guide you and give you the answers you need and the help that you need, and I, I would say the second thing the first thing is an authentic relationship with God. And the second thing is that, that you do your very best uh, to be successful in your marriage, to be on the same page with Good. your spouse. Good. Because when one parent is, is making decisions, when the second parent is on the same page, it's not just twice as good. It's about a ten, there's a synergy that takes yes. place, and it's about a tenfold effect. Yes. And when mom and dad are both in agreement on what is required, what the responsibilities are, what the goals are that we're moving ahead, and the kids cannot play mom and dad against one another and because they've talked about it and they're on the same page, it is, it is an incredible thing for the Holy Spirit to move and work in that. And I would just say, uh, I rebuke the devil right now for any, any shame or guilt yes. he would try to bring on anyone who is a single parent here yes. today. Our God is a God uh, of exceptions. Yes. And nobody would have thought that a little teenage boy who was five feet tall would go up against a nine-foot Goliath. But he was an exception because Good. of his relationship with God. And you, even if you are a single parent, you can be the exception. And you can partner with God. And yes. he can be the other half. And he will work with you to raise kids who know God and love God. So good. So good. If you will, put on, put on your, your minister's hat for a moment. Um, because, again, your family... It's thrived, and you know, it's really connected to what you just said, Pastor Paul, but your family has is, is done very, very well and thrived and is very healthy. But for those who are, maybe they're together, they're not a single parent, they're a family, and maybe they have kids that have grown up, and they're living with regret, and they're thinking, man, it would have been great to hear this 25 years ago. What would you say to them? What, what wisdom and advice would you give them in moving forward? I would say it's appropriate to grieve that a little. That's okay. But it is never too late That's right. to begin to That's right. serve God and do what you know is right. It's never yeah. too late. Yeah. But it's okay to grieve that loss. Yes. And um, 
you know, it, it's very possible that people did not have a good role model, and that's why they made decisions like they did. And the Lord understands that. And he's, uh, a, he's full of grace. And, um, but I said, never too late. Start today. Absolutely. The Word of God says that he will restore the years that the canker worm has eaten, that the locust has destroyed. And God has a way when we surrender and yield to him. God has a way of redeeming the time. Yes. and making up the time. The important thing is that we, we get, get our lives uh, centered with God, mm. and, uh, and God will take care of all those things. And it is, it, I, I agree it is appropriate to grieve those things, but it is wrong to live with a spirit of grief for the rest of your life. Yes. God wants to deliver you from that. It's the joy. It is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Yes. The joy of the Lord is your strength, and God wants you to be more than a conqueror. He wants you to be an overcomer in every situation, in every circumstance, and to live with guilt and shame is a weight that the enemy gave you. Jesus did not give you that. Yes. So cast that off and embrace what God has for you and, and allow the Lord to work in your family. Yes, that's so good. That's so rich. So rich. I'll end with this last question, and y'all can take it how, however long or however far you want it to go. I've heard it said that you endure your children for the reward of having your grandchildren. <laughs> right, right? They're the reward of going through that. So what's it like being a grandparent right now? And just, just talk to us about that place of life, being a grandparent. You, like you made it. You did it. So tell us, give wisdom to our grandparents. It's great being a grandparent. Love it. I enjoyed being a parent, too. I didn't just endure it. I, I really enjoyed Good. it. I, I liked it when my kids were home all summer. Um, so I was one of those odd ones, I guess. But um, very important that you as a grandparent are in their life. Um, especially as a believer, um, you have wisdom, you have years of experience, um, you probably, ha you have maybe more grace for those kids than their parents do right now, because you're, you don't have to be with them all the time, but your example, uh, your godly example is just vital and it's so important for you to be in their life. Sometimes that is a challenge, uh, geographically maybe, or maybe your children don't see the need for that. But the Holy Spirit will show you what to do. Um, you know, the Lord showed me to just kill them with kindness and help my kids. Uh, we forget sometimes how hard parenting is once we're out of it for a while. But it's a challenge. Every day it's a challenge. And so I decided I'm going to do everything I can to help my kids parent, whether that's staying out of the way or whether that's going and just offering to do whatever I can that day. Mm. Bring a meal. You know, I've taken all my daughter-in-law's laundry home with me. Uh, whatever it is that will make their job easier. And... I try to keep the rules that they have yeah, for their it. children. That's Honor so that. Good. 
except because by not honoring that, you're making their job, you're making the parents' job harder, which you don't want to do. We keep the rules, but they're a little bit relaxed at our house. You don't have to be that honest. Okay, in particular, I'm sure there's a rule about chocolate chip cookies. If you've never had Ms. Lynn's cookies, they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor Paul, how about so, you? So, you know, one of the things that you can do as a grandparent, again, you know, coming back to prayer, I think it's an amazing thing. One of the things that, that Lynn and I, uh, as it is our practice every, every single day when we pray, we pray for our family. And we call every one of our kids, our grandkids, and, and extended family by name and bring them to God's throne of grace and mercy to where we can find help in a time of need. And uh, uh, we, uh, we heard of a grandparent uh, several years back who would set aside one day a week to pray for each grandchild and then called the grandkids and said, Monday's your day. I'm praying for you all day. Wednesday's your day. Friday's your day. And would tell the grandkids, now if there's anything you need prayer, you call and you let me know. And I just thought that was, that was an amazing thing. We, we tried that, but we end up praying for everybody every day. So, uh, and, and they call and, and, uh, and let us know. But um, I'm not sure I even remember what the question was. <laughs> grandkids. Grandkids are amazing. They just really are. Uh, and it's hard to describe. Uh, it's, it's just hard to describe uh, that specialness. Um, they're perfect. They are. They are. When kids ask you, uh, when people ask you how your kids are, you have to give a little explanation, you know, what they're doing and, you know, they're great and all that. But when they ask you about your grandkids, one word's all you need, just perfect. They are perfect. The, the, the innocent love in, in those eyes, you know, looking up at you like, you know, you can do anything, you know, everything. Uh, you treasure that. It, it was there in your children. You just missed it. It, <laughs> it sped by too quick, but you're old enough to slow down and treasure it with your grandkids. So good. Bruce, our campus, can we honor Pastor Paul and Lynn? Thank you all so much. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Come on. We can do a little bit better than that. Come on. So grateful for that, for that wisdom, and I hope you took good new notes, and I want you to go home, chew on that, think about that, and more importantly, apply it. You know, I said this in the first service as we were praying, and I'm going to pray to close us out in just a moment, but after hearing that, I know that I know there's some of you who feel that tug in your heart. I think I need to go and make some things right with my kids. I would encourage you to do that. And you may be a child and say, you know what, my parents weren't perfect, but I see now that they tried. They did their best. And maybe there's some reconciliation that needs to happen. Don't wait. Initiate it. Make the phone call. Have the conversation so that you can have real, lasting, genuine peace in your family. 
And so again, thank you, Pastor Paul, Miss Lynn. So grateful for y'all and the example that you've, you've been to us. And so I want to pray, and I'm going to release you in a moment. On your way out, we have some Cokes. We just wanted to do something fun for you while it's still hot in South Louisiana. So we have some Cokes and Dr. Peppers and all of that stuff for you on the way out. And give them to your grandkids, not your kids. Give them to your grandkids. And so let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for church today and for just the wisdom, God, that was shared with us. I pray that it, would, it wouldn't just be knowledge that we learn. It would be wisdom that's applied. Help us to apply the praying for our kids. Help us to apply, God, the opening up of their hearts and having the conversations with them. And Lord, if there's repentance that needs to be made because of harsh discipline, if there's repentance that needs to be made because of a lack of discipline, Lord, I pray that you would help us to get that right with you first and foremost and with our families. So, Lord, I just, I pray a blessing over your congregation, over your people. I pray you would bless them. I pray you would make your face shine on them. That, God, you would bless them in their going out and in their coming in. And, Lord, everything, including how they do their families, how they do their jobs, God, all of the things that they are, you've put in their, in their vision, God, to touch. I pray that you would bless it for the sake of the kingdom. And as a church, we would be a church uh, that's pure, that walks in the fear of the Lord. We would be a powerful church walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we would be a persistent church even in the face of challenges. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, our prayer partners will be up front. Mm-hmm.